they Aaron is in Kentucky and um he uh is at a conference there so he's not here but um Warren stepped up and he's going to he's going to preach to us this morning um you know Warren is a retired preacher um he has been a pastor for over 50 years um and uh, he's held five different pastorates um, in different places, including um, Libertyville, Illinois, South Bend, Indiana, Boulder, Colorado, Springfield, Illinois, and Blyville, Arkansas. And he's also had a, a successful radio ministry, um, two successful radio ministries that um, he's had for over 20 years, 16 years in Illinois and, and six years in Indiana. And, um, and so we want to uh, thank Warren for coming and for giving the word, and I'm excited again, to hear him preach another service. So, We moved here and built our retirement home uh, up on the hill above the church. And uh, we wondered where we would end up at church. There came a knock on the door, and it was Jeffrey Youngbooth. He was in the first service, and uh, he wanted to ask about a pile of firewood that was on the border between the property he was managing and our property, and somehow in that conversation, he got from firewood to inviting us to attend this church. And that felt really good. We were new, and and a warm invite, and we came, and, and it changed our life because we found fellowship in you wonderful people and enjoy every minute of our relationship with this church. And, uh, and what a blessing. I also wanted to mention, uh, you'll see that I kind of trip along on canes, and, uh, and I want to tell you that story. Uh, I finished my years of ministry. He said 50 years of ministry, and I could hear some of you thinking, how old is this dude? <laughs> and uh, and uh, the answer to that is I'm 71. But I was privileged to begin preaching when I was 16, and I preached for uh, 50-some years, however many. And I finished my pastorate and retired, preached my last sermon. And then I had an unlimited supply of pulpit supply and interim pastors to go forward in retirement. However, Carol and I were in a head-on auto collision in Memphis. And uh, the result of that was a severe infection of my leg. And so... The Sunday after my retirement, I preached as a guest supply preacher, went from the church to the hospital and had my leg amputated below the knee. And so I'm learning to be handicapped. And it's, it's, it's different. It's different. And appreciate your prayers. And I'm blessed. I, I, I'm blessed. But still... Uh, I can't wander around and preach and all the things I used to be able to do. I'm sort of on the shelf. And this is the first time I've preached since my amputation. So I feel very, very blessed. So I appreciate your prayers. And uh, this is a Christ-centered, biblically-based, mission-minded church. And I so appreciated uh, Keith Pearson's uh, witness of uh, God using him in Bolivia And that is the way our God works. And I just love the mission emphasis of this church. You can take the mission's temperature of a church and you can tell how spirit-filled and dynamic they are. And I'm so proud of this church's record of mission. 
Let me go to our scripture for the morning. It's from Matthew 6 and uh, verse number 19 through the verse number 24. Hear the word of God. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Here ends the reading of God's Word. As we approach the Christmas season, the elders of the Christian Church of Estes Park came together and said, You know we want a really special speaker and a special Christmas Sunday. Why don't we call the best preacher in the land and ask him to speak? And they did. And the best preacher said no. They reconvened and decided to ask the smartest preacher in the land to speak. They called him. He said no. And then they said if we can't have the best speaker and we can't have the smartest preacher, at least we can have the best looking preacher. They called him, and he said no. And finally, one of them said, well, let's call Alan, uh, Aaron Dorman. And from their meeting, they called Aaron, and he answered his cell phone, and Amy and he were at dinner. And Amy listened intently to one side of the conversation. And when Aaron was finished, she asked, did you say that you would preach for them on Christmas Sunday? Aaron said, yes. I felt I should, because this week I've already said no to them three times. (laughs) I love this church. I love our pastors. I love our music team. And I love all of you, this incredible body of Christ. All of you resourceful people who are open to the spirit of the living God. First, our mission includes the decision to be givers to God. To be givers to God. What a a way to live. That is part of our mission. And let's face it, most churches in our nation don't like to hear a lot of talk about money. But Jesus told us our attitude toward wealth and money is part of our faith foundation. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, No person can be the slave to two masters. You cannot be the servant of both God and money. A wealthy man was personally approached to contribute from his abundant wealth to a financial campaign. A local Christian hospital had the urgent need for a new cancer wing. Representatives from the hospital board were visiting to request this man's financial support. 
the man responded, I understand why you would think I could give something to your worthy appeal for funds. I'm a man with my own successful business, and it's true, I have all the signs of affluence. Nice home, expensive cars, and the country club. But there are some facts you don't know, which I need to tell you. Did you know my mother is in an expensive nursing home? She needs 24-hour care. His visitors said, no, we didn't know. The wealthy man continued, did you know my brother died with almost no life insurance and left a needy family of five who struggle? No, we didn't know that. Next, the man said, you need to know my son, who is deeply religious, has gone into mission work. And he makes less income than the national poverty level. My son lives on the edge. Again, these facts were not known. Then the discussion took a strange and shocking turn. The wealthy man confronted his visitors and said, Here is my point. If I don't give a penny to my mother, or give to my brother's family, or I don't give any support to my missionary son, what makes you think I would give anything to your hospital campaign? This man was not a giver. For all his affluence, he could not and would not give. Very, very sad. However, I have had the privilege of being in the presence of some of the great givers of this generation. Two times I was invited to a private lunch with Bill Bright, founder of Campus Crusade for Christ, the incredible international ministry to universal students. Bill Bright authored the Four Spiritual Laws, and he produced the Jesus film. He authored over a hundred books and pamphlets distributed by the millions in most languages of the world. Bill Bright understood that it takes money as well as men and women, to fill and fulfill Christ's ministry. I found Bill to be full of zeal and an uncompromising passion for our Savior, and he wanted everyone in the world to know personally the Lord Jesus. Bill was a giver. In 1996, Bill Bright was awarded the $1.1 million Templeton Prize for Progress in Religion. He donated every penny of the $1.1 million to the cause of Christ. He had a burden for the people of Russia after the fall of the Soviet Union. And as we talked at lunch, he was going to donate his entire retirement fund to bring Christ to the Russian people. Bill Bright was a giver. The comedian Bob Hope captured my attention when he said, if you haven't got any charity in your heart, you have the worst kind of heart trouble. Jesus comes into our hearts and cures our heart trouble. We have received God's saving, gracious, redeeming love, and now we're learning to become givers. We are learning the meaning of today's memory verse 
For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Are you a giver? If we are touched by the precious grace of Jesus, we will want to give of ourselves and our resources. It comes naturally, it flows. Jesus says, for whoever would save his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake, he will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses himself? Second, our mission is to show up as God's people, united in purpose. We're teamed with Jesus. And he uses ordinary folk like us. Come with me in your imagination to basic training. Army recruits are lined up and being confronted by a drill sergeant. In an effort to intimidate him, he screams to them, You sorry weaklings! Does anybody here think that you can whip me? A recruit. Six foot five, 250 pounds of pure muscle, and a fifth-degree black belt in karate, answered, Sir, I can. The drill sergeant, a bit startled, ordered the recruit to step out. Come up here. He asked, You think that you can whip me? Yes, sir, I know I can. He answered. The drill sergeant said, Okay, stand here beside me. Now he turns back to the line of recruits. He said, the rest of you sorry weaklings, listen up. Anybody here thinks that you can whip the both of us? I want you to meet my new assistant. If you are living in a saving relationship with Christ Jesus, our Savior, he's standing with you. You are teamed with Jesus in a living union with him. Say it with me, that familiar verse. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It is the person and power of Jesus that protects us. I've been protected by the Lord Jesus a number of times in my years of ministry. I got in more trouble in Africa than you can imagine in the bush. I got in trouble in India preaching to Muslims. I got in trouble in the oceans. I've been in two very bad shipwrecks lost at sea. One morning in this country, in my church, the church secretary spoke on the intercom to my office saying, a man is here and wants to speak with a pastor. That sounded like good news to me and I I said, send him down, and I greeted him warmly, and he was seated in my office. He was a scary dude with erratic body language, and I wasn't sure what I was seeing. With no introduction, he looked directly into my eyes and said, I hate God, and I would like to kill God, but since it's impossible to kill God, I have decided instead to kill a pastor. I sensed he was dead serious. No pun intended. 
And I ask how he became so angry at God. All the time I'm praying, God, get me out of this one. (laughs) He said he had several warrants out for his arrest. He was ready to take matters into his own hands and go on the offensive. I told him I'd be pleased to help him with his problems. I said, give me your jurisdiction where these warrants are issued for your arrest. And I can just simply call and with my authority get them dismissed. He was intrigued. He gave me the Illinois County and city where the warrants were issued. I made a call to that police department. And I told the dispatcher what I needed for this man. Man, was she alert. And immediately she asked me, Sir, are you in trouble? And I said, Yes, I am. (laughs) During this phone call, my threatening Fred could only hear my side of the conversation. And under the guise of getting the warrants dismissed, I gave him my contact information, my name and my church address, in less than seven minutes. Several local policemen exploded through my office door, jumped on him, tore him to the floor, subdued him, handcuffed him, and took him into custody. I later learned that this man had escaped from a high-security military prison in North Chicago. While he was undergoing a psychiatric evaluation, he was a serious felon and considered dangerous to himself and others. I believe Jesus intervened and protected me on that day. Jesus is beside us. This is true. Jesus is with us. Whether it be direct physical threats, accidents, serious health concerns, random crime, spiritual warfare, or whatever danger hinders us. We need the wisdom and power of Jesus Christ by our side every minute, every day. Believe me, Jesus will be with you in your fiery furnace, whatever it is. Believe me, the Lord guards and unites us and empowers us as a team to fulfill his kingdom plan and to use us. What an honor to be the body of Christ, his people on his mission. This year, sports fans have seen the power of unity and team spirit. What a year. Remember the Super Bowl? The momentum of the Broncos as they brought the world championship to Denver? Remember the comeback of LeBron James and the Cleveland Cavaliers for an NBA championship in seven games? Then the Chicago Cubs. To win the World Series and to experience a victory playing of three million people on the playground. While this year has been examples of amazing team victories, these human organizations making an extraordinary human effort to reach the goal of the championship. But listen up. As good as that is, our unity and purpose as God's team with Jesus is very different. Infinitely better and more powerful. 
We are not a human organization which determines our own goals. We are the church of Jesus Christ. And you know, our unity as the purpose of God's team is very different. We are powerful not because we're a human organization which determines our own human goals. We are the church of Jesus Christ on a mission for the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We are the body of Christ who does the will of Jesus, our head, and we are empowered by the Holy Spirit to fulfill God's redemptive plan. Jesus is the Lord of history. And he has a sovereign plan for our history. And he chooses to use us, to pour his spirit into us, to give us a new vision of who we are as the people of God. As we stand here with Jesus at our side, let us prepare and be ready for service on a mission empowered and planned, not by us, but by the Creator and Redeemer God of history. With Jesus at our side and indwelt by the Holy Spirit, let's get our team here energized and prepared for our part in the mission God has planned. In God's economy, believe me, He uses every one of us. Not some, every one of us. We are all important to God's mission And the Holy Spirit is truly calling this church to action. Are you familiar with the 80-20 rule as it relates to volunteer organizations and congregations? The rule is that 20% of the membership does 80% of the work. That's except for snow shoveling. That's when... 3% of the congregation (laughs) does 97% of the work. And 80%, the other 80% does 20% of the work and contributes 20% of the financial report. I believe God is calling us in this church to break that pattern here in the local body. God is calling us, every one of us, to fully support God's mission, which is our mission. I shall always remember a story of a beloved elderly physician who was retiring from his medical practice after 60 years of sacrificial service to his village in Western Europe. The community planned a retirement celebration to express their gratefulness, complete with a special gift. Since the village was known for its wine production and they knew the doctor enjoyed white wine, they placed a large empty barrel at the town square and asked families to bring a pitcher of their best white wine and pour it in the barrel that would be presented to the grand old physician at his retirement celebration. The gift was a great idea but it ended in total embarrassment. And I'll tell you why. Because a few of the families brought pitchers of water, thinking their one pitcher of water would never be noticed. And the wine in the barrel was diluted 
the entire gift was ruined. My friends, that's what happens when essentially 80% of the congregation does not show up for the mission of God. And we are less than what we could be because I pray this church will hear the voice of Jesus and break this ordinary rule of human bondage and let us, every one of us, show up for God's mission with our resources and our service. And as we can come together, it increases what can be done by God's power. We will place our total trust not in money, not in armaments, not in earthly powers, not in all the things we usually trust for our security and well-being. It means trusting Jesus' vision of the realm and kingdom of God in our midst and all the possibilities and privileges and responsibilities that Jesus sets before us in our day, in our time, in our world. It means giving our hearts in absolute trust. And that's what leads us to be a spirit-controlled life and a spirit-controlled church. Let us determine to show up as God's people, united in His purpose and His mission. And thirdly, our mission is to exalt our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. In the end, it's all about Him. The Apostle Paul put his faith and trust in Jesus. In Philippians 3.10, one of my favorite verses, we hear his deep desire. I want to know Christ and the power of His resurrection. Not that I have already obtained all this, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ took hold of me. One thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining forward to what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Friends, like Paul, we haven't arrived, but we're pressing on. We're standing on the promises We're moving forward under the banners of faith and trust in our Lord Jesus. Dr. Daniel Webster Fowler was a pastor I worked for six years hand in hand in South Bend, Indiana. We became friends. He was facing a very difficult surgery where one of his heart valves was to be replaced with the heart valve of a pig. Some of you may know that John Wayne, the famous actor, had that same surgery. Dan Fowler was hopeful, but the first surgery failed. And they told him it had to be repeated. We had one of those conversations in his office regarding the risks of his uh, impending Second heart surgery. Odds for success for a second surgery were not encouraging. Dr. Fowler talked about his body wearing out and how fear and faith 
were part of his daily walk. He he shared the story, which has become to me a powerful story, of going camping with several young families in the church. They were sitting up camp and building a fire, and the children of the families were excited and underfoot. Dan suggested he take the kids for a walk. The children ran ahead, and they went off on the trail and into the woods, and Pastor Dan, following the children, lost his way in the woods. He didn't let on to the children he was lost, but boy was he lost. And he seriously began to worry. The children started begging, let's go back to camp. I want to go back to camp. I'm thirsty. Okay. But he was lost. And after a period of being disoriented, he finally found the trail. He was so relieved and he, he found the path that led back to camp. With emotion in his voice, my friend said to me, I wasn't home yet, but I found the trail that led home. And he said, I feel that about my relationship with God and my surgical situation. As I face this health crisis of a second surgery and possibly the end of my life, I'm not home yet but I'm on the path that leads home. Before we prayed together, Dan said again in faith, I do not fear this surgery or even death. I'm on the trail that leads home to Jesus. The key question is, can we trust God? We've got to answer that for ourselves. If we say yes, Then the next question is simply, will we each begin to press on to deeper trust, to confidently walk the path that leads home to God? The late Dr. Shadrach Meshach Lockridge was one of the great black preachers in America. In 1976, the year of the bicentennial, he preached a sermon on trusting God. Dr. Lockridge was on a mission for God. Let me share his words. And I ask you in your mind's eye to focus on the Lord Jesus as you hear his words. God is greater than all the superlative statements of supremacy ever shared. No far-reaching telescope can bring into Focus the shoreline of his unlimited supply. No deep digging dredge can discover the depth of his determination to deliver you. You can trust him. He doesn't need me and he doesn't need you. He stands alone on the solitary pinnacle of his omnipotence. He is enduringly strong. He is entirely sincere. He is eternally steadfast. And he is impartially merciful. He is unparalleled and unprecedented. He is unique and unescapable. He's the cornerstone of all civilization. 
He is the central doctrine of all truthology. He is God's Son and Savior, and you can trust Him. He can meet all of our needs, and He can do it all simultaneously. He gives you hope when you're hopeless. Help when you're helpless. Peace when you're in pain. Strength when you struggle. Rest when you're restless. And courage when you cry. He sees and he sympathizes. He guards and he guides. He heals the sick. Cleanses the leper. Sets the captives free. And forgives forgives sinners. I'm telling you, church. You can trust him. I love his exaltation of the Lord Jesus. And as I close, I beg each of you to respond to the call of God's grace that is brought to your mind and heart by the Holy Spirit. I urge you to realize that the death of Jesus Christ on the cross was for you. Jesus gives you a new life now and in the future for all eternity. I want you to claim the resurrection power of Jesus for yourself. From this day and forever. Move from death to life. From death to life. We are together on a mission for God. With the words of a Christian poet. The stars will shine for a billion years. A billion years in a day. But Christ and you will live and live when the stars have passed away. To God be the glory because of his great grace. Together, my friends, in Christ, we're on a mission for God. Amen. Let us pray. Lord, bless our resources as we present them to you. And Heavenly Father, I ask your blessing upon these good people here on a mission and trust in Christ for that mission. Dear Lord, please go before them to guide and lead them on their way through life. Come behind them, Lord, that you may guard and protect them from all dangers and harm. Hover over them, Lord, that you may rain and shower down on them your many blessings and your rich graces. But most of all especially, Lord, come and dwell within them, that you might fill them with your joy and peace. As we go in the mission, I ask them, in the name of Jesus Christ, that you will empower them through Jesus, your Son, our Lord. Amen and amen.